Chapter Fourteen of the Double Trader by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Fourteen. Seligman and Norgate dined together that evening in a corner of a large popular grill-room near the Strand. They were still suffering from the shock of the recent tragedy. They both rather avoided the topic of bearing sudden death. Seligman made but one direct allusion to it. "'Only yesterday,' he remarked, "'I said to little Bertha, I have known her so long that I call her always Bertha, that this bureau work was bad for bearing. When I was over last a few months ago he was the picture of health. Yesterday he looked wild and worried. He was at work with others, they say, at the Admiralty, upon some new invention. Poor fellow!' norgate conscious of a curious callousness which even he himself found inexplicable made some conventional reply only seligman began to talk of other matters truly he observed a visit to your country is good for the patriotic german behold here in london we are welcomed by a german maitre d'hotel we are waited on by a german waiter we drink german wine we eat off what i very well know is german crockery and some day, I suppose, Norgate put in, we are to be German subjects, isn't that so? Seligman's denial was almost unduly emphatic. Never, he exclaimed. There is nothing so foolish as the way many of you English seem to regard us Germans, as though we were wild beasts of prey. Now it gives me pleasure to talk with a man like yourself, Mr. Norgate. I like to look a little into the future and speculate as to our two countries. Above all things, this thing I do truly know. The German nation stands for peace, yet in order that peace shall everywhere prevail, a small war, a humanely conducted war, may sometime within the future, one must believe, take place. It would last but a short time, but it might lead to great changes. I have sometimes thought, my young friend Norgate, that such a war might be the greatest blessing which England could ever experience. As a discipline, you mean, Norgate murmured as a cleansing tonic seligman declared it would sweep out your radical government it would bring the classes back to power it would kindle in the spirits of your coming generation the spark of that patriotism which is alas just now a very feeble flame what do you think you agree with me eh it is going a long way norgate said cautiously to approve of a form of discipline so stringent but not too far oh believe me not too far seligman insisted if that war should come, it would come solely with the idea of sweeping away this government, which is most distasteful to all German politicians. It would come solely with the idea that, with a new form of government here, more solid and lasting terms of friendship could be arranged between Germany and England. A very interesting theory, Norgate remarked. Do you believe in it yourself? Seligman paused to give an order to a waiter. His tone suddenly became more serious he pointed to the menu they have dared he exclaimed to bring us hollandaise sauce with the asparagus a gastronomic indignity it is such things as this which would endanger the entente between our countries i don't mind hollandaise norgate ventured then of eating you know very little herr seligman pronounced there is only one sauce to be served with asparagus and that is finely drawn butter i have explained to the maitre de hotel he must bring us what i desire meanwhile we spoke i think of our two countries you asked me a question i do indeed believe in the theories which i have been advancing 
"'But wouldn't the war smash up your crockery business?' Norgate asked. "'For six months, yes.' and after that six months fortunes for all of us trade as such the world has ever known a settled peace a real union between two great and friendly countries i wish england well i love england i love my holidays over here my business trips which are holidays in themselves and for their sake and for my own sake i say that just a little wrestle a slap on the cheek from one and a punch on the nose from the other and we should find ourselves war is a very dangerous conflagration norgate remarked i cannot think of any experiment more hazardous it is no experiment selingman declared it is a certainty all that we do in my country we do by what we call previously ascertained methods we test the ground in front of us before we plant our feet upon it we not only look into the future but we stretch out our hands we make the doubtful places sure our turn of mind is scientific our road-making and our bridge-building, our empire-making and our diplomacy, they are all fashioned in the same manner. If you could trust us, Mr. Norgate, if you could trust yourself to work for the good of both countries, we could make very good and profitable use of you during the next six months. Would you like to hear more? But I know nothing about crockery. Would you like to hear more? Seligman repeated. I think I should. Well, then, Seligman proceeded. Tomorrow we will talk of it. There are some ways in which you might be very useful, useful at the same time to your country and to ours. Your position might be somewhat peculiar, but that you would be prepared for a short time to tolerate. Peculiar in what respect? Norgate asked. Seligman held his glass of yellow wine up to the light and criticized it for a moment. He set it down empty. Peculiar, he explained, inasmuch as you might seem to be working with Germany whereas you were really england's best friend but let us leave these details until to-morrow we have talked enough of serious matters i have a box at the gaiety and we must not be late also a supper party afterwards this is indeed a country for enjoyment to-morrow we speak of these things again you have seen our little german lady at the gaiety you have heard her sing and watched her dance well to-night you shall meet her rosa morgan norgate exclaimed Seligman nodded complacently. "'She sups with us,' he announced. "'She and others. That is why, when they spoke to me of going back for bridge tonight, I pretended that I did not hear. Bridge is very good, but there are other things. Tonight I am in a frivolous vein. I have many friends amongst the young ladies of the gaiety. You shall see how they will welcome me.' "'You seem to have found your way about over here,' Norgate remarked, as he lit a cigar and waited while his companion paid the bill. I am a citizen of the world, Seligman admitted. I enjoy myself as I go, but I have my eyes always fixed upon the future. I make many friends, and I do not lose them. I set my face towards the pleasant places, and I keep it in that direction. It is the cult of some to be miserable. It is mine to be happy. The person who does most good in the world is the person who reflects the greatest amount of happiness. Therefore I am a philanthropist. You shall learn from me, my young friend, how to banish some of that gloom from your face. You shall learn how to find happiness. They made their way across to the gaiety, where Seligman was a very conspicuous figure in the largest and most conspicuous box. He watched with complacency the delivery of enormous bouquets to the principal artistes and received their little bow of thanks with spontaneous and unaffected graciousness. Afterwards he dragged Norgate round to the stage door, installed him in a taxi, 
and handed over to his escort two or three of his guests. "'I entrust you, Mr. Norgate,' he declared, "'with our one German export more wonderful even than my crockery, Miss Rosa Morgan. Take good care of her and bring her to the Milan. The other young ladies are my honoured guests, but they are also Miss Morgan's. She will tell you their names. I have others to look after.' Norgate's last glimpse of Seligman was on the pavement outside the theatre, surrounded by a little group of light-hearted girls and a few young men. "'He is perfectly wonderful, our Seligman,' Miss Morgan murmured as they started off. "'Tell me, how long have you known him, Mr. Norgate?' Four days,' replied Norgate. She screamed with laughter. "'It is so like him,' she declared. "'He makes friends everywhere. A day is sufficient. He gives such wonderful parties.' I do not know why we all like to come, but we do. I suppose that we all get half a dozen invitations to supper most nights, but there is not one of us who does not put off everything to sup with Mr. Seligman. He sits in the middle, oh, you shall watch him tonight, and what he says I do not know, but we laugh and then we laugh again, and everyone is happy. I think he is the most irresistible person, Norgate agreed. I met him two or three nights ago, coming over from Berlin and he spoke of nothing but crockery and politics. Tonight I dine with him, and I find a different person. He is a perfect dear, one of the other girls exclaimed, but so curiously inquisitive. I have a great friend, a gunner, whom I brought with me to one of his parties, and he is always asking me questions about him and his work. I had to absolutely worry Dick so as to be able to answer all his questions, didn't I, Rosa? Miss Morgan nodded a little guardedly. I should not call him really inquisitive, she said. It is because he likes to seem interested in the subject which interests you. I am not at all sure whether that is true, the other young lady objected. You remember when Ellison Gray was always around with us? Why, I know that Mr. Seligman simply worried Maud's life out of her to get a little model of his aeroplane from him. There were no end of all things he wanted to know about cubic feet and dimensions. He is a dear, all the same. A perfect dear the others echoed. They drew up outside the Milan. Rosa Morgan turned to their escort. "'We will meet you in the hall in five minutes,' she said. "'Then we can all go together and find Mr. Seligman.'" End of chapter 14 Recording by Tom Weiss, tomsaudiobooks.com